Honeymoon Studio. The and now podcast. Emotionally, I'm not fine. I'm finished. Hello, Nick. Hello, Rob. And now? Happy anniversary. Yeah, it's number 10. This is our 10th episode. What's happening on this episode, Rob? This is a very um, interesting episode, Nick. What we're going to be doing, uh, what we decided to do is we wanted to speak, try and speak to a, a bunch of comedians at the same time and ask them the same four questions uh, to get their responses on those questions. I guess to see where people are, are aligning their thought uh, and where there's divergent thought happening. And um, yeah, I guess to get different opinions on uh, the same question, we thought would be an interesting thing to try. Uh, what we've realized is that it's a lot of content. So we're going to have to break it up. I mean, we've only got so far gotten responses from eight different comedians and that already is too much for one episode. Uh, and there's lots more comedians that we are, we have approached that are still going to send us voice notes and answers to these questions. So it may become like a little mini sub series in the, and now podcast, depending on, I guess, on how people respond to it and if they, if they like it. And I guess if we like it, but what we're going to try and do today is just, get the first four comedians that responded their answers to the four questions we posed. And then uh, next week or in, a, in another episode, deal with the other four comedians' responses. Mm. It sounds a lot like Passover to me, the Jewish festival of Passover, which, uh, which traditionally also asks four questions, but of course, four very different questions, but also involving a plague. So in some way similar. It's all connected. Synergy. That's what, that's what we're doing. We, we're synergizing with the Jewish faith. Yeah. Why is this night different from all other nights? I, I guess it is the same thing. Um, the question also we would like to pose to our listeners is um, what, what is resonating with you? And, and, and Rob, I don't know how they can communicate with us, but what are they enjoying about this show? We haven't really heard from them. We don't really know who our audience yes, is. Yes, yes. Now, okay, first of all, I think, didn't Stuart Goldsmith, who our previous uh, guest in the last episode, and if you haven't listened to that episode, you have to. It was an like absolute goldmine of information. I think one of the tips he gave us is you must speak to the, or that on a previous podcast he did, is speak to the listener as if it's one person. So to you, dear listener, uh, what's resonating with you? Let us know. I think they can, they, him, he, her, she, we, them. they, them, they can like contact us through our social media, please. And let us know what you, what you're digging, maybe, maybe what you're not digging, but not so much of that because I can't deal with criticism right now. Uh, and. And, and what you'd like to see and hear more of. Yeah. I think something that I want to touch on before we go into the actual questions is I don't want our listener to feel like they don't have access to what we are discussing because they are not specifically a comedian or even yes. a artist. Um, because uh, we have gone very specific into the kind of discussions we're having and that's and it's gone really to the core of the mechanics of of the creative process and and specifically as as how we are relating to that as comedians um 
But I think, as we mentioned in the in the in the episode with Stuart Goldsmith, is in the specificity is the universal, is the commonality, and I think that there is a lot of value for any kind of person to to really go into these deep dives about the creative process with us, because I feel like, and this is. This is just my personal opinion. I think engaging with the mechanics of the creative process is to engage with the problem of being human. I think you can relate it to a bigger a bigger kind of a, a context in terms of like who you are and how you are and and specifically how who you are is engaging with the problem of being human in this current context. Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. We had to say Zeitgeist. I'm so glad you did. Do I you agree that, with me? Do you think, do you think that makes sense? Because I don't want people to feel like, oh, this is a podcast only for comedians. I don't feel that way. I think that that's where yes. we've centered the conversation for ourselves. But I, I feel like everything can be related back to the human condition. I think you I think you are absolutely right and I think well it is our intention that dear listener that th- even if you're not a comedian that you will find some hidden gems in what these comedians are distinguishing I think the obstacles we face as as comedians might have a, a slightly different flavor to whatever obstacle you're facing but we hope uh, that there is there are parallels and that you can draw from some of the wisdom that Uh, these comedians offer because they are thinkers. Comedians are thinkers and in many cases deep thinkers as Gilly Apter discusses in terms of putting deep thought into things. And I think what's also coming out of these voice notes which you'll hear shortly is comes back to the almost the foundational premise for this show and now because we find ourselves in a moment of now where some people feel nostalgic for the past and, and going back to how it was and, and the, the normality in inverted commas of that. But we find ourselves in a different reality now and how are we going to deal with that? Who are we going to be in the face of what we're currently facing and what actions are we going to take? And, um, and also, what is the future that we are creating for ourselves? Because ultimately that is what impacts us in the present moment, Rob. That's beautifully put. That is uh, the most articulate you have been, possibly ever. <laughs> Certainly in this podcast, but possibly in your entire lifetime. That was really because it's something you and I have been trying to figure out: is what is the, especially having had that conversation with Stuart in our last episode, is like what is the foundational premise of this of this podcast and it isn't also just about uh you know the creative process it is there's something to do with time and it's about the present moment and how that you know obviously the present moment keeps changing and it's there's a mindfulness in that and i think you've 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 really touched on something that uh resonates with me and i think i think that's something we must keep trying to unpack for ourselves and we'll get a, we're going to get closer and closer to figuring out what that foundational premise is. But I think for the first time we are, we're, cl- we're as close as we've ever been, I think. We're engaging with the problem. That's what we are currently 
doing. Yes. And I have to say um, that I was quite disappointed to find out that it's not just Tatsun Konzo who has said something to that effect, but it was in fact Albert Einstein who said, it's not that I'm so smart, it's just that I stay with problems longer. So, question one was, what has been the single biggest obstacle you have had to overcome in lockdown in order to express your creativity as an artist? And also, the weirdest gig you have had to do during lockdown. Uh, And the first comedian that got back to me was none other than Joey Razdeen, a giant of a comedian uh, in the South African context and just a wonderful human being. And uh, this is what Joey had to say. So one, I think the biggest obstacle um, is probably... um, that you know uh the time it takes for your people to hear your joke on the other side if you do an online gig so that delay sometimes that's a big obstacle and also the nuance that you have uh, the facial expressions the the movements on stage um all those things that nuance is gone and then there's also this thing called zoom fatigue where people um have zoom meetings the whole day and then you come on and then they're like ah now we have to have another one no and they've been sitting in front of the computer the entire day it's not like a comedy club where they've been working and then they go to another venue have a drink and then sit in a different seat they actually sit in the same seat for your gig and for the CEO's meeting. So yeah, that was also a, a, a thing to overcome. Uh, one of the weirdest gigs I've had is for a company, um, I'm not gonna mention the name, but it's a very, uh, it showed um, privilege. It's a very successful company and none of the employees have been uh, fired or had to take a pay cut and yeah and they and their privilege was just overwhelming it's just like they're so privileged and so judgmental and yeah i'm not gonna mention the name of the, the company but yeah it was yeah you know you know when 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 you mention um certain things and they get triggered because they think they woke. Yeah, it's one of those ones. So mm, that was, that's question one. That was Joey. It's a great answer. What, what are your feelings about it? I love, I love how he, sorry, I asked you to give your feelings and then I started giving my feeling. I've got to stop doing that. Give your feelings. Just give your feelings, Nick. You have feelings too and you need to express them. You know what I what I loved about listening to to all of these voice notes is is there's a there's almost like we've all been kind of doing this in silos and on our own and on these calls on our own because that's how it works and it's great to just hear pieces of 
information you didn't consider like zoom fatigue is something yeah we all know what zoom fatigue is but i hadn't actually considered that those people are sitting in those chairs all day on yes. Zoom meetings all day and then i'm coming on on the same place they can't get a drink and go to a comedy yes. club they're in that That's, same I, totally, I resonated with that as well is that idea of they don't get to get up and go and have a drink and then it's like they're coming in and they're sitting in a different seat they're not they're in the same seat the whole time uh and that's interesting. That was very interesting insight. Is, is to also have empathy for the people you are performing to. And I think you know, if we're going to relate it to people who are not comedians, it's like you know, have empathy for the people you are communicating with, or trying to do business with, or, or whatever it is. Like, I understand they're in the same seat. They've been in that same seat the whole time. The other time. thing, uh, the other thing, Rob, is Jerry Seinfeld distinguishes the the, the joke as uh, a precipice so there's there's imagine two cliffs with a with a with a gap between the cliffs and uh and and if the distance between the cliffs is too close uh people won't laugh because they can work it out quickly in their minds but if it's too far um they won't get the joke that's basically how jokes work and it's a, it's a lovely distinction. And, and what Joey's talking about is the time it takes for people to, to work out how to get from one precipice to the other. It's, you, and, you, and if they're all on mute, you can't hear when they're getting it. And, yeah. and you, you, you have, th there's that time that it takes. That's what he's saying. Do you pause and then actually you're not sure it's funny, uh, but you're waiting for them to laugh, but you can't see them laughing or hear them laughing. Um, and that's, that's, a, that's a big obstacle. Yeah, because it's when you're doing it in a in uh, in the old world where you you can feel that energy, you can almost feel the the tick when people are ready. Whereas now it's you don't know. It's a very different. It's a very different space. Uh, yeah, I think that's great. Should we li listen to what Alfred uh, Adrian had to say? I don't yeah. know how to pronounce. It. Is it Adrian or Adrian? Alfred Adrian. It depends on your level of capacity to care. Yeah. Okay, cool. Let's see what uh, Alfred had to say. Well, the thing I had to get over was myself. Um, I overanalyze stuff I put out into social media. I analyze, overanalyze everything um, neurotic like that. So I had to overcome that whole thing about this is not good enough if it's not a masterpiece. Almost like, and those masterpieces don't exist. So uh, yeah, that that's the short answer and the long answer, I guess. <laughs> It's a beautifully succinct answer and it is something that we've spoken about right from the beginning. It's like, yeah, that's the same old thing. Fail spectacularly. Don't, don't, be, don't be too precious in this space. This is a great space to make mistakes because no one knows what is right or what is wrong. And if you wait too long for everything to be perfect, you will find that you have done nothing. This is also a great spot to talk to non-comedians about the fear of looking bad that all human beings share. Yeah. And it's particularly rough on artists who want to get things perfect and um, not have it look messy and anything. But it's also, I think, I think for people in whatever field they're in, uh, is to go beyond that fear right now and put it out and share yourself and share whatever there is to share right now. Because when you share yourself the universe expands. That's beautiful. Be vulnerable. It's okay to be vulnerable in this, in this moment. In fact, it's vitally, vitally important. All right, I want to know what Skulk Bezaidenot had to say. 
What did he say? Um, wow, yeah, for me, the singers sing. Fuck, sorry, I'm drinking red wine. Come, I'm just stop that. There's Scott got drunk while he did these voice notes for us. Just, I'm just putting that out there. I think you can, in, as we go through these answers, you're going to see the how he gradually gets drunker and drunker. Well, he's drinking, uh, is it red red wine? He, he's, he's progressively getting through a bottle of red wine and and he did this at 10 o'clock in the morning, I believe. Was it? <laughs> Probably. Let's see, let's see what, he, what else he has to say. Single biggest obstacle I've had to overcome in lockdown to express my creativity as an artist. Uh, I think was the technology aspect. Um, Bluxem, I mean, like when I started lockdown, I had a Samsung S6 and in one of my, I've said this before, but in one of my morning videos, um, I said, wow, I have a Samsung S6. They're probably on S10 by now. And then someone said, Skulk, they're on Samsung S20. So, fuck it. I mean, I remember my phone had like a memory of 30 and I was 30 gigs and I was always on 29 gigs. So no matter how many stuff I deleted. So um, I would have to like record a video in the morning and then I basically can't use my phone until that video is posted. But the live online shows, like I've never been strong with technology. I don't understand technology. I really circle with it. Here, look, those first live online shows were just such... Much more admin than than a live show. Much more. Like rehearsals and sound checks and checking that it works and figuring out what's going to work the best. Our fiber in our flat or my fiance's uh, LTE hotspot on her phone or my 4G hotspot on my phone. It was a nightmare. Um... The weirdest gig I had to do in lockdown is I had to do some sort of morale boosting sets. Luckily, it was like quite short sets, I think 15 minute sets for this company, but for each department. So for the marketing team, for the accounts team, it was like 12 teams in total. And the one was for the drivers, for the truck drivers. And it's hard because at every at the beginning of every set you had to say you know guys just mute yourselves otherwise you know it's just hard when it's all the ambient noise in the background because you know people that have would have kids screaming in the background nick that one's for you and you know just i don't know the, the bath is running or whatever and these truck drivers just <laughs> no one knew how to mute themselves so at one stage, as I'm in the middle of a joke, the one truck driver just starts cocking someone out. I don't know what, about what, but it was something like, put it on the platform, just put it there on the fucking platform and shouting and screaming. And I just pretended like I didn't hear it and pushed through the gig. But like everyone on the, not realizing that everyone on the call can, can hear the dude shouting. So I think, Rob, that you, uh, you probably resonate a lot with sickling with technology. We know that we've spoken a lot about it. <sighs> yeah, it is. It is. 
the 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 that anxiety that like the the tech the technology brings and the fact that he was talking about that there's so much more admin than there would be for a, you know, I'm hoping as we go along, it gets easier. And in many respects it is, but geez, I remember in those first couple of shows, that anxiety of like, Oh God, I'm doing, I've got to do a sound check and there's something wrong with the feed. And that, that level of anxiety that you have before you do your first show, because you've been doing all of these, um, uh, troubleshooting on a tech technical front is just, uh, overwhelming the other thing is it doesn't actually go away necessarily i mean we're in our week what are we week of lockdown I, I don't even 700 know. 700 last night i probably had the most anxiety I've, I've ever had because my internet started doing weird things 10 minutes before the show as the show started there was a weird uh, reverb echo coming from somewhere i didn't know where it was i was trying to see the comments on my phone whilst i was on my laptop but i couldn't see the comments and 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 then i'm shouting at my wife to sort it out and then she won't talk to me for the next few it's just it's intense and and this is not the beginning this is the middle yeah, yeah. um it was quite comforting for me to hear skulk say that it was something that he really struggled with because he Right from the beginning, he was the, one of the first people and he looked so comfortable and he looked so like in the zone. That's really nice to hear actually someone who has been at the forefront of, of this whole movement who is as afraid as the rest of us. Um, it's a, just a very, very nice reminder that we are all shitting ourselves not just the comedians trying to perform, but everybody. We're all going through the same kind of anxieties around like how to do this stuff. Like I think of my, my, uh, my daughter's teachers having to teach online and you can see them like grappling with this thing. Like how does this work? And they, but their resilience of people and their, their ability to just rise to the occasion and somehow is uh, I find incredibly inspiring and yeah, well done everybody. Can we just say well done? everybody for getting this far we can we can say that and we can also remember that when we're complaining about whatever technology we're complaining about most people don't have access to that nothing yeah. nothing uh also i love the fact that skulk um mentioned your uh screaming children and uh that he had to do a gig for truck drivers but right now, I think we should hear from Gilly Apta. What does Gilly Apta say? What does Gilly Apta say? Let's see. The single biggest obstacle I had to overcome to, to express myself creatively in the beginning of lockdown, where I had, it was my job to put out videos every day because I was getting paid to do so, was mortal fear. <laughs> um my parents' business was falling apart and I really had to overcome blind fear to help them and to do my creative work. And I had to be creative in helping them. So the way I described it to somebody once is that I, I was on a Zoom call one night and I was doing like comedy and being funny. And the way I described it was like, it felt like I was doing it. And while I'm doing everything, it feels like there's a tiger at my door. And I have to keep my back on the door while I'm trying to be ha 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 and all of that stuff. So 
that's what I had to overcome. And I think I overcame it. I'm glad to tell you. So it's interesting. She mentioned the tiger at, at her door. And I, and I actually have a, f- a feeling I was on one of those gigs with her. It was one of the very first things we did. It was an online panel. There were like 3,000 people tuned in. And we had a little check-in before the show. And it was almost like we could all see the tiger behind her door. It was like she's staying with her family. Her family's business is falling apart. And she's got to be on a Zoom call and be funny at the same time. There's so much going on and that, yeah, that makes it very difficult to stay focused on, on any one thing. I think or it also points to, to something and it points to, I'm sorry to interrupt you, Rob. No, please, please interrupt me. I love it when you interrupt me. I think it points to um, a misconception about comedians. Oftentimes non-comedians will say things to us like, I just don't know how you guys do it. You're just fearless. And mm. we're not, we're not fearless. Comedians just have practiced a long time acting in the face of the fear of speaking to groups of people. We, it's not like we were born without that fear. We are certainly not fearless. And I think yeah, what, what, yeah, what Neil is pointing to is, is courage is, is just, that's generating, that's generating something in the face of the fear. It's acting in the face of the fear. That's, that's all that, that courage is. And it's, it's open. Anybody can access that. We're not, we're not, we're not these superhumans that are, that are born fearless. And I, th- I think it's, it's great what, what she's sharing there because we've also forgotten. Sometimes we forget that about ourselves because we've done a thousand, two thousand, three thousand gigs. And we, mm. we've forgotten what it is to generate being courageous in the face of mortal fear. Question two, what are your biggest takeaways from the lockdown? In terms of hacking or just understanding your creative process? I don't know. You came up with these fucking questions, Rob. I know. And I'm only saying, uh, I'm adding the hacking part because Gulk didn't understand what the fuck that meant. Right. (laughs) didn't know what hacking means. Uh, What does hacking mean? Anyway, tell us. It's, It's like, you know, man, those things, you get a life hack. A life hack. Where you, uh, it's like a shortcut. It's like, it take, it's uh, internet speak, isn't it? That's where it came from. Probably. Like hackers. They how do you make, hack take, into they the take, creative process? Exactly. You take, how do you find like shortcuts for yourself? Um, or not even shortcuts. Maybe it's just uh, uh, tricks that help it's, you. It's kind of like distinguishing how your mechanism, it's kind of looking behind the face of the watch and going, how does my, the face of my, what's behind the face of my watch? Because maybe you hadn't really looked at what works for you. Yes. And I think there's something really important about that, about, about being conscious of what you, what and how you do the things that you do. Um, because so much, so, so much of the time we just so, we get so caught up in that, that, uh, the, the, just the doing that we never take a step back and, and, and kind of analyze, okay, well, how, what have I been doing? And, and, and that's also just, like figuring out what what are the things that I do that are good, and if you can identify that, you can you can go to that solution a lot quicker in a lot of in a lot of the things that you the problems that you're facing. I think it is important, like it's an important life skill to be mindful and conscious of of how of tricks you figured out for yourself. And sometimes it really takes a moment for you to step back to notice that you've done that. You don't always know that you've, you've actually figured something out. 
mm. uh, intuitively. And if you if you take that intuition and make it a conscious thing, it, it's a it's a it's a huge uh, um, gift in terms of uh, success as a person. Yeah, and I think what you'll hear, and we'll play the voice notes now, is is what what's also happening is people are sharing that. Um, we're collaborating with each other by sharing what we've gotten in terms of how we need to adapt to now. Let's hear from Joey Rustin. I think one of the biggest takeaways is probably that you can't speak about certain things and you can speak about other things. So uh, that's one of the... So your material is... It just shows you how important... Um, solid materialism and that is one of the biggest takeaways during lockdown i think um the creative process i think mine just stays the same uh, and I, I think i understand it better now um but uh in terms of material and what the public consume uh is going to be different um the new norm like for instance social distancing so yeah that's i think i love the lockdown because of that i love the lockdown because of the privacy i love the lockdown because um you're not at um somebody else's mercy to be nice and yeah so that is uh, my biggest takeaway I love that Joey's biggest takeaway is that he doesn't have to be nice to people anymore. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of us are getting. Why is that comforting? I think it's comforting because we have been, we have been so inside of being inauthentic out there in our lives and with people. And... It's almost like that that has been removed from us because we haven't been able to, or certainly during lockdown level five, we weren't out there seeing people having to put on a, a happy face and be nice. And suddenly it was, I remember it actually. There was, you could actually ask people how they were in any environment, speaking to a person in a corporate or whatever, and they would actually tell you authentically yeah. Yes, that, uh, that is amazing to me how that question, which is so, normally such a kind of benign, uh, 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 kind of pointless question. How are you? Fun and you. Yeah. Fun and you. Yeah, it's just like, like, a, like a little bit of social KY jelly, you know. It's yep. just to like – now you ask that question and people will tell you. Yeah. They will tell you exactly how they are. And and I love that. I actually love that. I think it's fantastic. I think um, what he's also pointing to uh, is that a lot of comedians are actually introverts. Um, yes. At heart. We kind of enjoy, a lot of us enjoy the opportunity to be on stage and be extroverted, but then we very quickly want to retreat. And, and, and people, uh, there's quite a large percentage, I think, in that category. Uh, for whom it's I'm like, certainly uh, one of those people, definitely. Yeah. And so there's definitely. something, there's something, there's been something nourishing about that. Mm. 
Let's see what Alfred said. Well, for myself, I've learned that I need to push myself. I need to set a target. If I'm going to say I'm going to do a video or I'm going to do a joke and put it out today, I need to put that pressure on myself to make uh, progress. And it's very much what I hated about my corporate job. But now it's sort of something that's become that I've learned in lockdown is quite handy because if there's no definitive deadline for me, there's no work happening. And I sit there and I overthink things and then eventually nothing happens. So, so um, that's been my hack, pushing myself every day, making sure I put a video out of new content every day. That's not a masterpiece. I really resonate with with this. The idea of setting deadlines for yourself has been something that's kept me going for years because, and it's that same thing of don't wait for it to be perfect. There's that great um, Guta quote, which is famously perhaps not even a Guta quote Until one at all. is committed, there is hesitancy, the chance, the chance to draw back always ineffectiveness. The moment one commits... Yes. Boldness that's, has genius, that's the one. magic, and power. Yes. Boldness it. has genius, magic, and power in it. I love that. And I've lived by that for a long time in terms of creating work because your, your internal critic can be so loud um, that it can paralyze you into not ever doing anything. Uh, and I know a lot of people, incredibly talented people, way more talented than me, who are just don't allow themselves to do anything for fear of not even failure of just no, of of it not being perfect and yeah i've just seen i've just seen too many incredible people like hold themselves back because of that um so i love that i think that's a great There's, it reminds me of something advice. i something i read by elizabeth gilbert could have been in the book big magic which is great for anyone who's interested in creativity but she speaks about a lot of authors um i can't remember who it was arundhati roy or somebody like that who wrote this beautiful masterpiece and then did, no one heard from her for 10 years because it, it had to be as perfect as that one as so that didn't, one didn't put anything out and i think elizabeth gilbert's like just 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 write a book on gardening <laughs> I also don't want to step over uh, something really great that Joey was distinguishing in this question that we just stepped over, which is... Yes. You said that, that lockdown uh, and COVID-19 has, has almost illustrated certain things or exposed certain things that have always been there, but we just haven't been aware of. And, and the, all the conversation we're having now around privilege and, and racism, it's always been there, but it's now yeah. been exposed. And the other thing is what, we, what he's talking about is realizing that, uh, can I talk about this or can't I talk about this in this context? Because these are privileged people on this corporate Zoom call who all still have yeah. their jobs and privilege and, and, and think they're woke, but, but are not. And how do we manage all of that in a virtual space? Yeah. And I... And I, I, I a lot of, I think a lot of people think, oh, we, we, there's too much overthinking. And I think that's, that's rubbish. I think it's wonderful. It's a wonderful space to be in where people are really examining the power of what you say, the power and the power of the context of you as the, peop, as the person speaking and the, the, the context of what you are speaking into, the space that you are speaking into. Um, I think it's great that people are, are examining that a lot, a lot closer.
Uh, who is next? What has Skulk S- taken away other than a lot of red wine? A lot of red wine. Let's see how much drunkery is in this one. Uh, I think the biggest thing I've taken away from lockdown in terms of hacking or just understanding my creative process, Blix, I'm hacking my creative process. I don't even know what that means. I don't know if that's because, Rob, you phrased it cock or if my English is cock, but um, it's probably the latter. Ooh, look at that. The latter. Look at me with my nice English. Anyway, uh, I think what I realized about myself is the more I overthink it, uh, the less funny it becomes. Um, normally, if I think of some funny material and I record it on a video to post it on Instagram, um, normally the first take is the funniest because that material is the freshest freshest um, that it's going to be. I think similar to... Sorry, just took a sip of red wine. Um, I think similar to um, stand-up, like obviously you do material over and over again. Once you have it, you could do it for years. But there's just something, and yeah, some, sometimes the first time you do a gag, it's cock. Often it is. But sometimes it's not. And sometimes I think we've all had it, Nick, Rob, all of us where sometimes you just can never top the first time you've told it because you knew where you were going with the gag and it was the first time you were telling it. You kept surprising yourself and the audience about, uh, I mean, around every every corner. And it was just wonderful. It was just, you know, and then every time you told it after that, it kind of felt like you were trying to recreate that first time, which is just impossible. So, yeah, sometimes overthinking it and saying, okay, let me do another take, let me do another take. And it just becomes less funny and less funny and less funny every time you do it. Um, Yes, as you go along, you figure out more little nuances and things. But sometimes also the mistakes in content is what make people laugh the most. The fact that they can see Blixem those were actually the most successful videos I feel the that I posted and the ones where people can really see that you are also saying and hearing it for the first time because you make mistakes and they love the mistakes because it's like this is real. Sometimes when a thing is so heavily edited, it's like, yeah, I mean, this you could have done a hundred takes and spoken a, a hundred hours of cock and just taken the the funniest stuff which is not as impressive and not as funny as knowing just like this guy Hoyd, you know, and he presented to it to us as it is. I'll tell you what, what I, what I really, um, what I really got from what he said here is, is that, and it's, it's kind of why he's been so super successful um, doing this process is, is just going with the first take. And, and, and people can hear he's just going and he might make some mistakes. And, and I think that's why people have resonated so strongly with what he's doing. And for me, I so want to get it perfect. I did these toilet diaries and I'd be on take number 10. And, and, and it's just like, <sighs> I'm envious of that. Just to have a breakthrough in just the freedom of self-expression that, that, he's, that he's cultivated. 
totally. And it's, it's Skulk's superpower is his authenticity. Gilly, what has been your takeaway? Um, let's hear from you. I'm a person who needs an exit strategy from everything. You know, I, I will never go to a place where I don't know how I'm getting out of. Like a, That's why I'm very uncomfortable with outdoor festivals. Um, I, even if it's my own creative work, I always need an exit plan. And so that is why I'm always running around. I'm like, I can't sit down in front of my computer for too long unless I know that I'm going to go somewhere or I do it, I go out to do it. Um, and what I've learned is like being forced to be in one space has given me a lot of time in and around the process of doing something so that even I kind of trick myself when I'm at home, I do, I'll do two hours of something, then I'll do another thing, then I'll do another thing, then I'll get distracted and start another thing, and then I'll remember another thing. But I always circle back to whatever I'm doing. And I've learned to embrace that. I've learned to embrace the fact that I can jump around from one thing to another. It will eventually all get done if I have my goals in place. So I don't know, whatever that means. I'll tell you what it means, and it's great, because we think, we think we're so uh, different. And we have these unique things. Everybody wants an exit strategy from everything. That's the nature of being human. How do I get out of this? Especially if it's uncomfortable. And um, the only way out is in. I think that's what we are getting from lockdown. And some of us are avoiding getting it or resisting getting it. And it's what we referred to earlier in terms of staying with the problem, staying inside of the problem, being with it, being with yourself. It really yes, and I, and I love how you can trick yourself as well. It's like if you, because we feel like, oh, the, we don't, there is no exit strategy or there is no exit uh, available to us in this particular situation. But you can create little uh, exits for yourself. Um, you can trick yourself into thinking that you have a, a getaway plan, but all, it's re all that trick is doing is, uh, is allowing you to come back to yourself which is sometimes you need to you need to trick yourself into that because the 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 face of it is too is too overwhelming to face it directly head on um i like that i like that you have to sometimes trick yourself into being with yourself it also speaks to the human condition of this isn't it we're we're constantly driving for uh some other place than here when I get there, that'll be it. When when I get when we get out of lockdown, I'll yeah. be happy. When when, yeah. when when the kids go back to school, when my kids go back to school, then I'll be free. Then I'll be happy. Yeah. No, no this is it, my friends. This is it right now. Right now, I want to hear from Stuart Taylor. What does he think? I don't think that there are any hacks to the creative process. I think. The creative process has just become so much more intense from a um, sort of input perspective. I've never spent this much in time in front of a whiteboard thinking this deeply about performance and how close you stand to a camera and all the other ticks or tips in order to sort of create a new onstage persona. I mean, he's saying there are no hacks, but... He He's describing a hack. 
he's talking about like just exactly that thing of like sitting in this problem and fa- like talk thinking about what the parameters are of what you're facing and then think deeply about them, which is something uh, Gilly also gets to in her answer to um, question three. And I think we should go straight on to question three right now. And the question three, as I posed it, was what do you think the lockdown has illustrated about the human condition in terms of the different ways in which we have responded to it and the global pandemic at large? And I said, think conspiracy theories, protests, anxiety, general and specific. Um, and this is, this is what Joey had to say. I think the lockdown and COVID-19... <clears throat> just illustrated the huge gap between the people that have and the people that don't have. Um, uh, The people that's entitled and privileged and the people that is um, living on um, bare minimum trying to make ends meet. Uh, So, yeah, that the lockdown exposed that. It exposed privilege. It exposed um self-righteousness it exposed certain things that's always been there but we didn't know uh like one example is how can you compare you being outside trying to go surf um to a person standing in a queue uh waiting for food you can't compare the two like the guy that's standing in a queue for food needs to stand there. He doesn't have a choice. Um, and you're complaining like, look, they're standing there. They don't have masks on. There's no social distancing. I am going to go surf now. So you can't compare that. And um, I guess that is a lack of empathy on the surface side, if they, if he had some. Because so, the people that standing in a queue couldn't give a shit if you're surfing or not. They just want food. And you worried about them standing in a queue because you want to go surf. That's the strange part. Sorry, I actually, I actually responded to that earlier. Marcus, you might just have to move that thing around. Sorry, Rob. Well, um, no, because he, he touched on it. He touched on it in the, in his, in, in the, the weirdest gig because he was talking about it was the response to question number one. He was talking about the being, so I think he's gone, he, he goes deeper into what is clearly like a, uh, something that has been occupying his mind a lot. And that is about privilege. It's about the haves and the have nots. And it's about, uh, entitlement. And yeah, I mean, that has been startling, to see how people have what I find so interesting about it is people have taken it so personally. People have taken this global pandemic so personally. And I think it's the part of that is because we because of the isolation. So you, you by virtue of the fact that you're isolated you stop thinking about what other people are experiencing. You stop, you stop thinking about this being a global problem. And you stop thinking about how, how far the problem spreads. I find myself doing that. And I, I, I had to, uh, something that it has helped me with my anxiety around all of this is to keep reminding myself this is happening everywhere. It's happening to everybody. Uh, like going out and seeing people with all the masks, I it find actually comforting in the sense that I realize, oh, it's 
there's a big thing going on here that is bigger than my personal feelings about it. Um, and I find it incredibly startling how how people t- tend to lose lose touch with the with what other people are going through. Like the, the empathy gets chucked out of the window so quickly and exactly what he's saying. It's like you, you're having a protest about surfing and then you're trying to draw comparisons between people who are starving uh, and your, your right to paddle out. And it's like that's a really strange comparison to be making. I want to say something right now, but my, my dog is barking um, for no reason. Almost like a, 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 a surfer screaming into the void, <laughs> desperate to have their oppression recognized when their oppression is not really oppression. But it's like apartheid, yeah, maybe, uh, if, if you were black. Because back then you couldn't go surfing either, but like maybe that paled in comparison to being viewed as um, subhuman by by a military state. It's interesting because we we saw all this outrage from surfers this week to to a lot of surfers to Black Lives Matter, and and it's and it's it's hard to. I I realize that a lot of problems stem from the education that that middle-aged South Africans got during apartheid, and they just weren't ever exposed to. Uh, the history of colonialism and slavery and oppression, so they think their loss of privilege is oppressive. Yeah. Yes, uh, and there, but there's something about that uh, that the, also that that what, what that education it made you so, it centralized you it made you the thing as in your little white skin and then then there's there's no empathy like where's your empathy. It's like you were never somehow you were never taught it. You were untaught it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think it's a very, 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 very pertinent point that uh, Joey brings up. Let's hear what Alfred says. I think lockdown has illustrated that we can live with less, and that we have become uh, a society that is so driven by things and and more that this time with less, with less going out, with less spending, with less, we've realized what is more important to us. And then when you, and also what is missing in our lives. So a lot of us, I think, have had situations where we're so used to going out and splurging and spending, we don't realize that that is splurging and spending. And a lot of us have uh, been stuck in our houses with our families and for the first time in a long time had to take stock of what where the resources that we used to spend so frivolously are is going and how important our families are to us and then also reconnecting with those people and and seeing and understanding why it's not necessary to go crazy as long as the people in your home is okay or the people close to you are okay it's a long answer. I think it's more specific to me, actually. Yeah, it's interesting. The quest for happiness that we have been sold inside of consumerism is really being challenged right now, just out of necessity. And so we are inquiring, oh, if I don't splurge and if I'm not able to buy all those things, am I getting happiness and fulfillment? Yes. I still uh, am. From where? Uh, so maybe that wasn't uh, giving me happiness before all those things. 
Yeah. I love that. I love that. Let's hear from Drunk Skulk. I think what the lockdown has illustrated for me, two things. At the beginning of lockdown, it really illustrated for me as fucking lame as this may sound, but that, that spirit of Ubuntu, whether you want to, whether you think the the biggest illustration of Ubuntu was when 1994 happened, first democratic election, or the 95 World Cup, whatever you feel we had the most Ubuntu, or even as recent as last year, winning the World Cup, Siakulisi, captaining the team, everything. Um, you know, level five, beginning of level five, really showed me that that Ubuntu in South Africa is really not lost. You know, people are keen to be a rainbow nation. People are keen to unite. People are keen to just be in a thing together. You know, everyone was like, yo, we're in this together and we're going to make it work and we're not going to disappoint the government, we're not going to break the rules because we're going to show them that, you know, we're listening and we're going to fucking beat this virus together. And then level four happened and suddenly it changed. Everyone did a 180. Suddenly it went from like, yes, this is the right thing to do. You know, we have to flatten the curve, laka laka, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. It went from that to just like, fuck this, this is bullshit. We feel like our human rights are being whatever, you know. It was just like, it was so interesting because the people who were the most positive during level five were then the most negative during level four. And I just didn't really understand where it was coming from i didn't think i don't think anyone was under the impression that it was going to be um level five you know 21 or 35 days of lockdown whatever and then suddenly we go from super intense super hardcore lockdown to just boom fucking let's go joel in the streets and all fry each other like obviously that wasn't going to happen we were going to get eased into it the regulations were going to get lifted slowly but surely one thing at a time you know okay now you can go do this now you can exercise but only between this time um now we're in level three now you can do this but these are the restrictions like i, I don't know why everyone was it was as if people were surprised like why why aren't we just being sent back to normal life and um yeah, that was a bit sad for me because it it felt like people were sort of betraying, I don't know, their own positivity. I don't know. Positivity has been a big thing for me during this lockdown. Um, you know, looking on the, the bright side and staying positive, I know that is very it's a it's a lot easier said than done um and you know some people are really struggling to see the the positive in in this lockdown and i understand that and i would never be as arrogant as to say to one of those people just like ah oh, man look on the positive side look on the bright side i've got people in my own family that had lost their jobs 
that had to, that, that already had a cock salary to start with and then had to take a 50% pay cut. But, um, yeah, the positivity aspect of it has been big for me and it's been sad to see some people just go from super positive to the opposite, like super pessimistic and super negative and being like, fuck this. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I also understand that people are hurtful. But at the end of the day, you know, um, yes, there are corrupt people in our government, of course. But at the end of the day, I think everyone wants to go back to normal, government included. I mean, Jellekeit, the economy is such a fuck-up. Of course, they want to just send everything back as soon as possible to kind of try and recover. Um, but yeah, that's just not unfortunately how these <laughs> things work. Um, I mean, even if you take another thing as an example, like a, a natural disaster, like a tsunami or an earthquake, it's like things get rebuilt slowly but surely one structure at a time. It's not like the next. So after a tsunami, you can't be upset the next week that why is my house not back? Why is this building not back? Why is everything not in place again? It's a fucking process. But anyway, that's just me. I love how Skulk sounds disappointed in like people. <laughs> uh, and I think it's, it's really, like it's a fascinating insight that he makes about the people who are the most positive at level five are now the ones that are the most negative in level four. And that really comes back to something that I tried to be really conscious about in the beginning. Right in the beginning, I, I thought, I said to myself, what you've got to do now is not react. You need to just be mindful of what you are feeling. Like I was, they had, and that's that whole meditation thing. It's like to, to just like feel the thought, acknowledge the thought, name the thought, and then before you respond or react to the thought, let it go. And then realizing it gets replaced very quickly by another thought, which is just as powerful, just as important, and could be completely opposed or, or, or opposite to the thought that you've just had. Um, and that was, like for me, that was a very, 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 very useful uh, a tool in terms of um, self-care, is understanding that like to just pull back on, on re reactionary thoughts and feelings and actions and be mindful of, of how extreme that can, like that kind of behavior can take you into extreme places whether, and whether it's like super positivity about the lockdown, which then because you've reacted in this way can then so easily flip to the other, the other side of the coin. Um, and I also love how he's, he's definitely getting drunk for dread. You can like, you can tell he's getting drunker and sadder <laughs> throughout the series of voice notes. Well, I think what's also interesting about the way comedians is coming through, what's interesting about how we look at things is we're looking at societal kind of reaction to things. And I love the way it, it's like a comedian distinguishes something like everyone did a 180. We got to level four, a lot of people did a 180. Yeah, we were, we were going with Cyril and the government's doing great and then 
the next second something happens that you don't like, you can't buy open-toed croc shoes in Durban. <laughs> <laughs> and you do a 180. You get yeah. you positively triggered. You were there in your swimming pool with a leash tied to your ankle, swimming 15 kilometers a day in your pool, going, we can, we can beat this lockdown. And the next thing, our human rights are being oppressed. <laughs> Let's hear what Guinea has to say. Something that's clear to me about what the lockdown has illustrated about the human condition is that a lot of people simply cannot be with themselves for any extended period of time. Um, and I'm glad to report that I'm, I, I can be with myself. <laughs> but I mean, I'm great. So I don't want to, you know, I don't expect everybody to feel that way about themselves. Um, I've realized that some people are great in a crisis and some people are not, and you don't know who those people are going to be necessarily. And you don't know who you're going to be in a crisis. And, and you know what? It's so worth finding out. I've got nothing to add to that. I think it's just so beautifully put, and it's exactly, exactly yeah, right. I sent this thing to a friend of mine um, recently who went from being a sort of high-end restaurant chef um, to somebody who, who's making 2,500 liters of soup every day and it's been really interesting to see his personal transformation because it's it's completely altered i sent him this quote the other day a hero is an ordinary person given being an action by something bigger than themselves and it's like we all have the opportunity to be a hero in whatever capacity right now are you going to take that on or are you going to react to how you've always reacted to things that upset you. Yeah. Stuart said this. The lockdown has been amazing in terms of exposing people for, for where they might be five years from now. I think it's, it's, it's just accelerated so much of where we would be if your relationship was on the rocks. I think you, you slightly further down that road. If you're, if you were going to be a hardworking comic who was just going to forge ahead this uh, this process would have gotten you there a lot quicker. So yeah, I think it's it's just kind of accelerated people and gotten them to where they were going to be anyway. Some of them exposing themselves as racists or bigots. Others exposing themselves as really hardworking and and uh, able to thrive in adverse conditions. Yeah, it hits the nail on the head. It's accelerated uh, just what is there and shown us exactly who we are. Very similar to what what Gilly was saying. I asked a public person on the, on the zigzag call. Let me rephrase that. I asked a public person uh, last night on a call that I won't mention <laughs> whether I still needed to apologize to his fiance for something I'd said or posted online. And he said, lockdown has not been kind to some of us. <laughs> I was like, oh, girlfriend, fiance, wife, none of those anymore. Aha. Uh -huh. Yeah. Acceleration. Yep. Definitely, definitely. Let's accelerate to question four, shall we, Nick? The final question was yep. finally, what advice, if any, do you have for other comics and artists struggling to create within the current? Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. They say advice is the worst vice, uh, but let's hear some advice anyway. Yeah. Uh, Joey, Razdeen, 
declined to give any advice whatsoever. But Alfred had this to say. My advice to people would be is first and foremost, identify what you are strong in. Um, I do see a lot of people trying to force a round peg into a square hole. And that's not necessarily what they've been doing or trained themselves to do for the last 10, 15 years. And now all of a sudden you want to, you expect to jump from zero to 100. Um, and I could take an example for myself. The success I've seen on social media has come from years of work to learn how software works, how video works, how I can be funny on video, what cutting out the access. So I think that it's not so much a situation where you you have to go and conquer the new world. You need to identify what you are good at in your stable and work and focus on those things. And um, whatever extra you see that you can adopt easily, um, I think work on the, you can just grab and, and, and try and run with that. But focus on what you've been doing for the last couple of years and try and fit that and adapt that to a new world. Um, I think that makes some sense. It's great advice. It's great advice. It's, it gets back to that whole thing of like, you don't need to reinvent yourself now. Like it, 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 it's identifying what you can do in this moment, but then do what you are capable, like what you are more pre, like predisposed to be doing anyway, but within the, the parameters that we are now facing. It, it's common sense, really. Are you saying that I, I don't need to run and grab the nicky nick 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 character because probably Rob 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 is doing so well. Nicky nick 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 also try and mow his lawn with a skateboard and put some take some wheels off his skateboard and put it on a lawnmower. Nicky nick nick nicky nick Rabinovics. Hey we can do a double act. Robbie Rob Robo and Nick 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 Nicky Rabinovics. Let's do it. Uh God. Skulk, Skulk Dr- Poseidon, what is your advice drunk, for us? Drunk Skulk. Skulk. <laughs> the boys has got longer and longer as well as he got keep drinking wine. Yo, it's a hard one asking me to give advice if I'm asking people for advice still. Um, yeah, I think it's so hard to give advice because obviously... Um, yeah, obviously, uh, we're all figuring this out as we go along individually and together. My advice is, I think creating your own content is very crucial at this stage because you can't um, now be waiting for a director or an, a, a, a writer or producer to cast you in a play, movie, TV series, whatever, advert, because they're not really happening at the moment. Or they are, but in very, very small batches. They're starting to start up again and so on. And um, also you need to capitalize on the fact that people are on their phones a lot and on social media a lot because, you know, when, when we are living our normal lives, you don't really have time for Instagram and Facebook and all that cock. And then 
often you miss people's posts because you're going someone posts something at eight in the morning and you're going on at eight in the evening by that stage it's maybe pushed so far down on your timeline that you don't even see it um on the other hand uh, without sounding like pessimistic or whatever but it's a little bit late like if you weren't toying already in level five level four by this stage people have sort of gone back to normal whether the rules have allowed it or not people have just been being like fuck i'm hot for i'm going back to normal i'm driving around i mean i can see on the roads you know i'm taking out this a doggy to doggy daycare and you know in the morning you're sitting in a bit of traffic you know it's like things starting to return to normal but you know i think there is still a window if you haven't been creating your own content get on it now because this is a time when people are hungry for content because people want an escape from the depressing times and people just on their phone a lot because people are at home and that's what you kind of do when you're at home and that's what you do when you're on when you're on the couch on a friday night with nothing to do so use that to your advantage you know uh, show people hey this is who i am if you haven't seen me lucky here i am so that they will come see you when we can return to live shows again um also speaking of live shows i would say that's also a piece of advice keep looking to the future you know this thing can't last forever yes it might last longer than we anticipated longer than we hoped for but keep looking at live shows will open up again eventually and then you want to be ready then you don't don't want to be like oh my word i don't really have a lack of show to put on a stage um so yeah use this time to then create that show or yeah but the online thing is very important because it grows your online following if you're posting good content at the moment people are following you and any artist knows that more followers means easier ticket sales it's just simple maths um it's it's easier to sell out a night in a 400 seat theater if you have 20,000 followers than it is if you have 500 followers and the only way you're getting more followers in this time is by posting content the lack of thing about social media is also that it's a bit of a low risk environment because if you post something cock people are just going to stop watching after one minute and scroll on and they kind of just kind of forget about it almost instantly but if you post something good and i mean then it can go viral and it could mean huge 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 things um so you know it's like almost this amazing low risk environment because you know if it's cock it's just going to get forgotten so quickly whereas a cock show a cock live show where people are sitting through an hour and a half of it people sometimes maybe feel awkward to leave we all know that there's always people who will leave 100% but you know people feel awkward to leave and now they're sitting and now they're going to tell 10 people oh, i was really cock 
broken, uh, but we couldn't leave. It was so bad. But if you're just posting a video or song or whatever it is you do, magic trick on Instagram and it's called, people go, eh, moving on. And they're not going to go unfollow you or block you because that one video was cock, you know. Also, like a thing about social media is um, if it's really cock and there's comments saying like this is really stupid or this is really bad, you can always delete it. Whereas once you've done a live show where <laughs> people saw you being really shit, there's no taking it back. Um, but yeah, it's my advice. Uh, there's still a window. He's saying if you, if you haven't got on the wagon, if, sorry, I mean, m- m- maybe that's also useful advice. <laughs> um, if you haven't got on the bandwagon, there's Get still on time, the wagon. there's a window. Get on Skulk. it now. Skulk fell off and in front of the wagon while recording these voice notes and the wagon rode over him. But I think a good a good point he makes is is look to the future. If 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 uh, there's something you want to do at the end of all of this, start start working on it now. Come out hot. I think that's what he yes. said. Yes. Yeah. But I think the best advice that he gave was where he when he said, "I'm not great at giving advice. Well, like I don't think I should be giving advice because all I've been doing is asking for advice." And that is the best advice. Ask for advice. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ask people. That's what, and that's what you and I have intuitively been doing. That's what this podcast is about. Is we just want to talk to people about like wh- what, how, where. And actually, we got a lot of advice from him. Initially. Exactly. How do you do a live yeah, show? Totally. Who are you using? What are you doing? How, how does this exactly. work? Exactly. Yeah. And then he, he was, was like, oh, I did this, and and I and then he said, I, I didn't know how to do this, so I asked this person, and they helped me with this, and. Uh, that has been something that is like it's incredibly helpful it gives you perspective that you're not the only person going through this and uh, uh, like yeah i think it's just that's super super important is to speak to other people if you're struggling speak to other people and ask them how they are managing and and there are literally um, people all over the world that will help you the kindness the kindness that i've experienced through this lockdown has been overwhelming it's been beautiful you know um someone we don't talk about a lot on this show but who is in, integral to this show is marcus wormstorm the guy who's recording it the guy who for months had been saying to me do a podcast rob just do a podcast i'll help you with it we this this lockdown happened we were like shit y'all let's do a podcast he made sure that we had microphones he loaned me headphones. He spends so much time and energy on this thing for fuck all return. And it's, it's like the, an outpouring of generosity that is humbling and overwhelmingly inspiring. And yeah, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. So thank you. Thank you, Marcus. And thank you every other person who has helped Throughout, there's so many people who have been incredibly helpful. John Savage has been just a shining light of love and guidance through this. Um, yeah, I saw me get emotional. I just saw me, I saw me want to cry. Robbie Rob probably is gonna have a, he's gonna have a wet patch Ra- all no, over yeah. this. Rob, 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 uh, my advice to you from Nicky Nicky Nick, don't be afraid of your emotions. Um, be vulnerable. Vulnerable is also, it feels like your greatest weakness, but sometimes your greatest weakness when the volume turned up turns out to be your greatest strength. 
I love that. Let's hear what Gilly's advice is. My advice to people trying to create, especially comics, is honestly, the, I think the most valuable tool a comedian has is thought. And, and, and nothing has changed from the world in that perspective. You can still think a lot about a subject. Think, you can think deeply about a subject. That's, the, that's where you have to start from. Like really exploring a subject deeply. That's, that's my, my thing that always is true. I always create the best work when I really think about something. And that means you really have to listen to yourself. You have to listen to your own thoughts. I know that's hard when everything is so muddy with fear. Um, but you have to push through the fear and keep listening. Well, there we go. I mean, that's we've been wanting to get to this to this piece of advice. I think from the beginning of this episode. Um, yeah, think deeply. Stay in the problem. Do you want to add anything to that? I'm thinking deeply about that. Good. That's all you need to do. It's interesting because it it is a paradox for comedians because we, on the one hand, need to produce content and put content out there. On the other hand, to produce a show, one needs to think deeply about it for a number of months. And so there's these two things conflicting with each other happening at the same time. I've got to put something out, but I also have to think deeply about it. And how can I find the balance? Yes, and what we've been talking about is also it, the, the the real paradox is think deeply, but also don't overthink. Correct. You know, it's don't let the don't let the over the deep thought get in the way of actually doing something. So I, there's a dynamic tension there, which is mm. very interesting, and you've got to there's got to be a bit of give and take between the two. Uh, final word from Stuart Taylor. As my boy Robbie Rob Rob says, don't be afraid to fail spectacularly. I guess, yeah, that's it. Just treat it like an open mic gig at the Armchair Theatre, man. Just give it a bash. Well, there we go. Uh, I think there's a lot to a lot to think about. We, as I said earlier, we keep coming back to the same things, and I think it's it's useful to be reminded of them for all of us. We've got we got to. I mean, this we got to wrap it up now, Nick. We've Give it got, a bash. Um, Listen, that's that's uh, from that's wisdom from Rob Rob Rob. That's deep wisdom. Don't be afraid to fail spectacularly. Give it a bash. What do you want them to put on your tombstone? Looked good or failed spectacularly? <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you put it like that, oh, shit. <laughs> but gave it a bash. Uh, we're going to do some more of these, I think. Uh, they're quite fun. We're going to keep asking uh, other people we know to answer the questions. We've already got a bunch of uh, que- answers of, of these particular questions from uh, Nick Goliath. Uh, Mel who Jones. else is? Mel Jones. We're going to get more. Yeah, we're going to get a couple more. Uh, some people are still getting back to us. Uh, I think it's lovely to hear from uh, a number of people. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Nick, for being you. Thank you, Marcus, for being silent in the background and holding us in your beautiful arms. I can't say I can't say any of that better than you have said it. All I would like to say is, it's, 
don't get to hold you in my arms right, but if I could, um, which spoon would you like to be? The big one or the small one? The little one. <laughs> Goodbye. Cheers, buddy. I love you. Love you too.